Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Father, for the opportunity to worship together, to encourage each other, to pray together. And Father, for you to make changes in our lives that need to be changed. And God, we pray right now that you have your way in this place. Father, we're here for you. And we're here to encourage each other. So Father, let us give uh, all of our worship, all of our praise to you. And Lord, let the word challenge us to live out what is preached. And Father, we just worship you right now in this place. We thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. I got a couple of people coming up here. Elma Slover and Philip Piparakis. Come on up. We do things a little different here at Orchardville sometimes. And that's okay, right? Yeah. And some of you might be wondering, what is that? Well, that's Elma. I'm just kidding. And this is Philip. These are shofars that they have in their hands. Now, if you haven't heard of these, these were used a lot in Bible times for different reasons. But this morning, we're going to use it as a proclamation of freedom. Are you free? Now, when I'm saying, are you free? I'm going to ask you to prove it here in a little bit when we worship. Because if you're free... It'll show as you worship and you praise the Lord, all right? It was also used as a proclamation of war. We are in a spiritual war every single day, church, every day. So we're going to use these to open up the service. I'm going to have Elma go first, and I'm going to read a little bit out of Psalm 145, and then Philip's going to close us out with it before the worship team starts. So Elma... Let's go ahead and have a proclamation of freedom. Yes, 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 yes. Psalm 145, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. And let's have a proclamation of war as we go into worship today. Philip. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Jesus is alive. 
Forget what he's done. 
Thank you, Lord. What a great and glorious time in the Lord. Thank you guys for opening that service up like that. That was so amazing. I love that. I don't know, Rick, maybe we should do that every week. I don't know. There's something about that that gets my blood going. I love to praise the Lord. I love to sing Him, shout. I love to praise Him. And I love, I love, I love, I love, I love when we all come together to do that. It's one thing to do it at home when you're, you know, but when you all come together as a body of Christ, as a body of believers, there's something about that. We're bubbling off onto the other guy next to us, right? This is my wife. I can do this. So, some of you may be wondering, what's he doing hugging that lady up there? But we've been married 40 years. She's my beautiful, lovely wife, Justine. Thank you, God, for that. I thank you, Lord, for so many things, God, in so many people's lives. Lord, I thank you for this church above all. Thank you for the light that we are in this community, God. And I pray for a bigger and bigger and brighter light as we continue to grow and to serve and to grow in you and to serve you. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. What you've done. What you've done. All the glory and the honor to you, the Son of God. Amen, 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 amen. Turn to someone and say, great to see you this morning. Amen. Well, hallelujah. I sure hope that Sundays are one of your favorite days of the week, but I also sure hope that you realize that the environment and the presence of the Lord is with you throughout your week so you can still operate in that thankful heart and that uh, mind of worship and be with the Lord anytime you want to be. Amen. So, I thank you for being here today. Uh, If you're a first-time guest, I'm not going to embarrass you other than ask you to throw your hand up real quick. First time being at Orchardville right here on the front. (laughs) Philip Piparakis came all the way from California to be with us today. (laughs) And then, as a bonus, he's spending time with his family as well, so... You're welcome, Piparakis family, for me having them come all the way over here. So, well, we appreciate them being with us. If there is not a card in the seat in front of you, because you're in the front row, but there's a card in the behind you in the seat, if you fill that out, if you're a guest here today, turn it in at the welcome desk. We have a gift for you. Just a little thank you for being with us. We appreciate you, and we pray you are blessed today. All right. More. Week five, part five, whatever you want to call it. We've been talking about more throughout the last month. And we may be finishing that up tonight, today, tonight. We may just go till tonight. You got an extra hour of sleep, so I get the next hour to preach. Yeah. <laughs> Part five. You got to stop laughing when I said that. Part five. Today, we're going to be talking about we need more men on fire for God. Yeah. We just had our men's conference last weekend. Go ahead. We need them. We need them. We just had our men's conference last weekend, and we heard some great words from Joseph Capps and Josh Woods, and I'm going to kind of pick up on that because we need more of these men in our church and in our communities, in our world today. And I know it's not Father's Day when we usually pick on the men, but we're going to talk about it this morning, all right? Because if we get men that are on fire for the Lord, things are going to change. They're going to change. 
If we will rise up as men and be the spiritual leaders of our families, of our homes that God has called us to be, things will change. Not only in your home, they're going to change at your work, they're going to change in the schools, they're going to change in our community, and we are in our pocket of influence right here. We are going to change things for Southern Illinois if more men will be on fire. Now, calm down. When I was, here's a little story to open up. When I was about 10 years old, and my dad's not here to confirm, or my family, so I was about 10 or so. We still lived up north. That's why I'm a Cubs fan. I hung on to him, so... It is what it is. But my brother and I were, were bored. And when brothers get bored, brothers try to find some trouble to get into. <laughs> and I think I was around 10, so he would have been about 8. And we were in the backyard and we were looking for something to get into, trouble. But we got this bright idea. Does anybody remember cap guns? And you put that paper thing in there, it was red and it had the little black dots on it. We took those out of the gun. And we decided, we think we can start a fire with this. So maybe you guys didn't ever do this, but we took rocks, laid out those strips of caps, and we'd pop them. And it would flame for just a second. So with that, (laughs) we decided we could probably put something right in that flame when it got popped and start a fire in the backyard. Just about the time we have, had it figured out what we were going to do, how we were going to start it, we were hiding behind the garage in case we got caught. But just, in, just right when we were getting ready to build one, I think mom and dad caught us or my sister ratted us out. One or the other, but they stopped it before we made a blazing inferno in the backyard and probably would have burned down the garage and everything else. All we needed for us at that moment was some caps, a rock, a good wind or blowing on it as it, as it lit up a flame and something to burn. That's, that's all we needed. A good wind as we blew on it, a flame and something to burn. So if you'll turn with me to Colossians, we're going to be in chapter one first and we're going to jump over to chapter four. Colossians one verses three through eight. And men, please don't shut me out just because I'm saying we need to be on fire. I'm talking to me too. Okay, so listen what God has for you this morning and grab a hold of it if you love your family. Amen? Amen. Colossians 1, 3 through 8. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Stand up, please. I forgot. I'll get that habit eventually. As we stand for the reading of God's word. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit. And it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Now flip over to chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, 
that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Hierapolis. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the church. And God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is with us here today. And God, we ask right now that your word penetrate our hearts, change our lives, and Lord, that men will be challenged this morning to be on fire for you. Father, not only the men, but us as a church, all of us, Father, we would be on fire with zeal for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, in this scripture, we're introduced to a man named Epaphras. And the Bible doesn't really talk much about him other than what Paul writes about him here. But what, from what we can read, what we can gather here, he was saved under the preaching of Paul and he took the gospel to Colossae. He grabbed a hold of it, he took it, and he went. And it seems that Epaphras was responsible for leading many people in Colossae to faith in Jesus. And then verse 13 kind of infers that he also took the gospel to Laodicea and Hierapolis. And all three of these cities were in the same river valley area. And it's it's very possible that one zealous, zealful man, Epaphras, was responsible for leading many people to the Lord in those three cities. One man on fire for the Lord. So as you think about him for a minute, he was zealous for the Lord. And the Greek word for zeal means burning. He was burning for the Lord. My translation for zeal is he was fired up for Jesus. He was fired up up about the gospel message that he was taking the people that impacted his life. He was, he was fired up for the Lord, fired up for, to lead people to the Lord. So you can say that Epaphras was on fire for Jesus. If I asked every man in this place to stand up, could you say I am on fire for Jesus? Think about it for just a minute. If we had some men in our church, in our communities, like Epaphras. If we had some men that were truly fired up for the Lord. What could happen in Orchardville Church? What could happen as you go back to California? What could happen as we go into our communities? What could happen in our homes if we had men fired up like this. Now, men, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I am challenging you to walk in what God has given you. Fired up is all about passion. What are we passionate about? You know what fires me up sometimes? The Chicago Cubs. Not often. <laughs> Or, or my Lady Braves basketball team that I get to coach. I get fired up about that. We're eight and one, by the way. They are. <laughs> um, talk about playing drums and music. I'll get passionate and fired up about it. These things, they fire me up because I'm passionate about them. I'm invested in them. It's part of me. Some of the men in here, I can ask you what fires you up. Some of you would say, hunting season now. I get fired up about it. And don't tell me you don't. I've talked to some of you. Fishing, maybe at sports, whatever it is, you have things that you're passionate about. But what if we had that same passion for Jesus? 
And some of you say, well, I'm, I'm passionate about Jesus, but religion's a private matter. Now, religion may be a private matter, but Christianity is a public thing. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, sit on the gospel and don't tell anyone you're a Christian that comes by. He tells us that you shall be my witnesses. A witness is somebody that has seen something, that experienced something, and you're going to testify about it. Now, if the Lord has changed your life and he's doing things in your life, it is your responsibility to be a witness to those unbelievers, to let them know. What the world needs today is not more politics. We don't need more welfare. We don't need more petitions. We don't need more of this and that. We need men of God who are passionate for Christ and will live it out. Now, I'm talking to me because I've told you guys over this last year and a half, my fires dwindled a little bit, being real, being honest. But what's it going to take to get some of us fired up like Epaphras? Now, earlier I started with a story about starting a fire. And really it takes three ingredients to start a fire. And, and for me, it, we had some caps and papers and things that were going to make it an inferno. But it really just takes three things. It takes a good wind, you need some air, and you need a flame, and you need something to burn. Right? That's what it takes to get some fired up men in our churches today. A good wind, a flame, and something to burn. When I say good wind, as that being one of the three ingredients for a big fire, how can a wind fire up men for the Lord? Well, the Greek word for spirit is the same word for wind. Pneuma. What fires up men for the Lord is a holy wind and translated into our speaking here right now is the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. What better wind to fire up men for Jesus than the Holy Spirit that is in our lives as believers. The Holy Spirit is available. In fact, if you're a believer in here today, you always have access to the Holy Spirit. But just because you have access doesn't mean you open it up and let him work. Okay, but you have access. The Holy Spirit lives in us, and if we'll submit to him, he will lead us into all truth and righteousness. He will lead us as we lead our families. He will lead us as we love our wives like Christ loves the church. He will lead us as we guide our children in the ways of the Lord. Think about the potential we have in dwelling within us. We have God in us willing to fill us with his presence. He's always willing to do that. We have God in us waiting on us to submit to him so that we can be used mightily for him. There are limitless possibilities. The same Holy Spirit that filled Paul and Peter and John and Stephen lives in us. Why do we not think that? The same Holy Spirit that lived in Epaphras lives within us. And God has equipped us with the same Holy Spirit that he equipped the disciples with. We all have the potential of Paul and Peter and John and these guys within us. Within us. And that should excite us. <laughs> we all place, you know, we, we tend to place Paul and Peter and John up on these pedestals and we never compare ourselves to them. But we're the same people. We're serving the Lord. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have access to the same power they had. 
God is not holding out on us. If we're not fired up for the Lord, we're holding out on him. I'm hoping this is hitting somebody this morning. So the first ingredient needed to start a fire in men is already available to us. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have the wind, the spirit needed for fire. Next, we need a flame. We need a flame. The second ingredient for starting a big fire is a flame. Where do we get the spiritual frame? Flame. Go to Jeremiah 23. Let's look at this. Where do we get a spiritual flame? Jeremiah 23, verse 29. I'll give you a little clue. It's available to us also. 23, verse 29 says, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? And then if you go to Jeremiah 20, verse 9, Jeremiah says this, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. And then he has a flip of a switch here. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. The word of God was in him, in his heart like a burning fire shut up in his bones he, had, he was going to try to hold it back, but he's saying, I cannot hold it back. The word of God in me is a fire and it has to come out. Can we say the same thing? The word of God is a fire in my heart. It's shut up in my bones and I can't help it. I just got to let it out. I just got to let it out. God's word is the flame. And guess what? We have the message that will set this world on fire. We have it. We have the gospel of Jesus that can set people free. How many of you have been set free in here? It was the word of God, the gospel of Jesus that set you free. We have the word of God that can bring conviction and repentance to people's hearts. You know what makes somebody get up on a Sunday morning and come to this altar? It's the conviction and the repentance inside their hearts that says, I don't want to be this way anymore. I want what God has for me. I want to accept Jesus into my life. We have the eternal truths from the eternal God in our hands. We have truth. We don't have to wonder what is truth. We don't have to climb a big tall mountain and ask this, this wise man, what is truth? Because we already have it. We have it. It's available, and that should excite us as well. The whole world is looking for what we already have. They're looking for it, and we have it. We have been blessed to know the mind of the Almighty God. He has entrusted us with the message of salvation. Of all the people available, he chose us to proclaim his truth to people. Think about that. We have a privileged position to share God's word. So that second ingredient needed to start a fire in men is also already available to us, the word of God. We have the inerrant, infallible, active, powerful word of God. We have the flame that is needed for the fire. Third thing, there has to be something to burn. <laughs> has to be something to burn. 
We already have the first two things available. We have the wind, the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God, that's our fire. And we have the Holy Spirit. And that missing third element, something to burn. God provided the Holy Spirit. God provided his word to us. But there's something that we have to provide. And that's the fuel. Where, oh, where will I find the fuel for God to start this fire and burn? What exactly is he looking for? What is it? Oh, yes, it's me. It is me. It is you that will make that fire burn. It's you. You are the fuel for the fire. Think about that. You are the fuel for the fire of God. All that is needed to have men on fire for God is you. Is you. We need men who are filled and in submission to the Holy Spirit in our church. Men don't like to submit. We need men who have the flame of the word of God burning within them. The reason many men don't have the flame of the word of God burning within them is because they don't read this flame, this active thing that we have available to us. We need men who are not afraid to take a stand for Jesus in a fallen, sinful world. There's nothing to me that screams I'm a man more than being a man of God on fire for him. Some of you say, well, that's because you don't hunt, Rick. You're not a real man. This is the only man I need to make sure that I'm being above everything else. We need men that are not ashamed to live their lives for the glory of God. Some of you guys in your workplaces are surrounded by people that tell crude jokes and you laugh along with it. We need men that are not ashamed to live their lives for the glory of God. And take a stand in your workplace. Like, listen, guys, and you say, no, Rick, you don't understand what it does to my pride, what that does to my... I don't care. I care about you serving the Lord and letting people know about it. So if you're in the middle of something like that, I hope as a believer, as a strong Christian man on fire for God, you will stop that and say, I don't want to hear it. I'm just going to take off. Or whatever it is, but you get yourself out of that situation. If you're the one telling it, really stop it. <laughs> okay. We need men who see the world lost and dying and going to hell without Jesus. We need you to see that. I know you, you, you say, I, I know what's going on. You need to see it and be a part of fixing it. We need men who are willing to put it all on the line for Jesus. We need you sold out to the one who sold out for you. He gave you everything he had by dying on the cross. Everything. Are you willing to get fired up for Jesus? I'm talking to everybody right now. Are you willing to be fired up for Jesus? Are you willing to be fired up for Jesus? If our praise team would come back up. Tell that person, get fired up for Jesus too. I'm going to do something this morning. I got a microphone down here, Mike, that I'm going to use. Number six.
second. I'm going to use both of them. I'm going I'm to go talk to about four men in this place. Ryder Chambliss. Everybody know Ryder? Stand up, Ryder. If you don't, here he is. I just introduced you to him. Now, Ryder, here's this for you. And keep in mind, gentlemen, everything I ask you, filter it through God before you speak. And you'll see why here in a second. Ryder, if, if your home was on fire and you knew your family was in it, what would you do as a man? What would you do? Your family's in there. What are you going to do? I'm going to go get my family. He's going to go get his family. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Alex, stand up. He's family. He saw me coming. This is Alex Lar. Okay? Alex, you know somebody's getting ready to break into your house and your family is inside your house. What are you going to do, Alex, when somebody's getting ready to break into your home and your girls, your son, your wife is in there? Protect them. He's going to protect them. Thank you. Heath Boyd. It's my friend Heath Boyd. Heath, you find out that there's a guy that's doing something to your daughters. I'll just leave it at that. Heath Boyd, what are you going to do as a man? Filter it. Bury him. I said four, right? Jake. You guys can start playing softly, please. Jake. I'm just throwing real situations out. Because as men... We know what we need to do in this, this situation, these situations. Now, as Christians, there's a balance. But when you're talking about hurting our families, we rise up, right? Jake, you find out that some, somebody in your family has been molesting your kids. What do you do as their father, Jake? Protect them. Thank you for keeping it filtered. Jake said protect them. Protect them. This is real stuff. And for each of these guys, and most of the guys in here, we would answer that, all of those things, in about the same way. If there's a fire, I'm going to get my family, I'm going to do whatever I can. If I have to die dragging them out, I'm going to get them out. 
because you love your families, right? If somebody's doing something, if somebody's going to break in, I'm going to protect my family. And sometimes for some of us, Christianity goes out the window in those moments, right? But I don't blame people for protecting their family. And I'm hoping this all comes across right how it's going in my head right now. If somebody comes in and is going to do something to my daughter, is going to do something to my kids, you, can, you better believe I'm going to do whatever I can to help them. So when we see things, fellas, in the physical, we're saying today, I will do whatever I can to protect my family because I'm the man of my house and I love my family. But what about the spiritual? You told me in the physical, you'll protect them. But I'm asking you what you're doing in the spiritual to protect them as well. It's great that you're big and bad and buff and you will do whatever you can, but I want you to be on your knees praying for your family, leading your family in the spiritual because just as much as the physical, the devil is after them in the spiritual as well. He is after them in the spiritual as well. So it is just as important for you to lead them in the things of God. It's just as important for you to to love your wife like Christ loves the church. It's important for you to train up your kids in the Lord. Because the enemy is bringing things in in the spiritual into their lives that if you're not cautious, if you're not watching out like you are in the physical and like you do in the physical, then you're going to lose them to the enemy. Your marriage may be ruined because you let the enemy come in in the spiritual. You have to care just as much about the spiritual side of things. It was easy for us to get fired up when I said physical things that we can see, but I guarantee you right now there's wars going on in the heavenlies over your family. And we need men on fire. Because if we leave even just a little crack in in the door, they're coming in through their devices now. The enemy Spiritual darkness through their devices, their cell phones, their tablets, their laptops. They're coming in through the music they're listening to. They're coming in through the shows they're watching. They're coming in through the sports that have overwhelmed their life now. And yours too. And if we're not being cautious, if we're not standing up and fighting in the spiritual for our families, we're failing them just as much as we did if someone broke into our home. Because of stand this morning. If you're not reading, and remember when I preach, I'm preaching to myself first and foremost. If you're not reading scripture, you're not reading Bible, you're not studying together, we're failing our family. We're not leading our family. If we're not praying together, if we're not praying over our spouse, praying over our kids often, we're failing our family. If your kids do not see you men living out your faith, why would they want it? They look to you with, I can tell you that. I have a daughter that worships the ground I walk on. She'll roll her eyes right now. But if I am not leading her in the things of God, no matter how much I say I love her, I am doing her a disservice. 
and she'll call me on it. She does it often. But we are to protect them and lead them in the things of God. And we need desperately. One of the big reasons our world is in the shape it's in is not because of the outside things, it's because the men inside the church are not leading well. That's just truth that I believe. That things would not be near as bad as what they are right now if we had Christian men standing in the gap and leading our families well. And again, I'm not trying to condemn you. I am trying to encourage you to lead your families. You say, well, I've never done this and we've been married for 20 some years or 30. Do it now. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have regrets about that. Change it now while you still have the chance to change it. Amen? Lead them well. You say, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know. Let's talk about it. Let's get together and talk about it. I promise you, your wife wants you to lead her spiritually. Right, honey? She wants that. For years of our marriage, she's told me over and over again, just lead me. Just lead me. Just lead me. And your wife, whether she said that to you or not, she wants that more than anything for you to be a man on fire for God and to lead your family in that. The statistics say like, it's around 90 to 95% if the man is a believer and he's faithfully serving in the church, serving the Lord, the whole family will. When it's just the mom doing it, it goes down to like 35%. They need us. They need us. This world needs us. You guys will bow your heads this morning. Father, we praise you. We thank you. And God, I pray that this did not come across as condemnation, Father. This came across as a challenge to to do things different for our families. And God, I pray right now that the men that are in here right now, Father, each one of us, me included, will grab a hold of their family this morning. And Father, they may have already been leading well, and Father, I thank you for that. I thank them for that. But God, I know this word for this moment right now was to challenge some men in this house today to change things in their family right now because God, some marriages are about to break. Some kids are about to leave. Some things are about to fall apart if we do not lead our families well. So Father, I pray that each man in here, if they have family in here, they would come. Whether where they're at right now, Father, will bring the sacrifice to the altar and say, I'm laying it down. I'm laying my pride down. I'm laying this, this tough image down because I want to lead my family in the things of God. I pray they come and they bring them with them and they pray and they pray and they seek you. And God today starts different for the men in here, Father. Something different happens. Something breaks in each one of the families here today, God, as we pursue you and let you lead. Bring us home, Father. Bring us home together as a family. In Jesus' name, amen. As we worship and pray, I pray you come. Guys, it can start today. It can start today. There's no condemnation. Your wife's not going to think, oh, you say you're going to... Just do it. Just lead them. Lead them in prayer. Repent of things that you know you need to repent of and lead well this morning in this place. And let it carry on as you leave. Let's worship and pray this morning.
this this week it says fire doesn't fall on empty altars there has to be a sacrifice on the altar for the fire to fall if you want the fire of God you must become the fuel of God and I pray I didn't look I pray that every man in here that had a wife has a family that was here you prayed over them you led them well and I'm praying that today something broke inside of you with what God gave me to share 
that it's not just about what you see, but you also need to lead spiritually. You need to lead them from what the enemy is trying to do in your life and their life. So please, please take that this morning, walk in it. And again, it may be the very first time that you're doing something like that, but I promise if you'll do this with your family, the Holy Spirit will lead it. He will direct it. Your family will appreciate it. And if, if, if you're just beginning as a believer, you're just beginning to, to walk it out, you need to do it. If you've been in this for 50 years, you need to do it. The enemy does not relent on tearing things apart and to, to seek and steal and destroy and kill. He doesn't relent. How much more do we need to be on guard over our, our, our spouses, our families? And I'm sure some of the ladies in here are tired of carrying that load. <laughs> okay? I love you. I appreciate you. Invite some people to church. Uh, we're talking about belong, belonging to a church on Wednesday night, so come on out at 7. You got anything? Okay, I thought you were clearing your throat for my time. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. You are not dismissed. You are sent. Win some people to Jesus.